Hello and welcome to Jim and Ben's Movie Adventures. My name is Ben and this is... It's Jim. It's, it's Jim. 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 Know, just because uh, there's only two of us here. So yeah. if you're Red. Ben, then that makes me... 50-50 you know. chance. That's how, <laughs> that's how statistics works. Um, and this is a podcast where we watch movies and uh, inflict them upon each other. And this week, it was Jim's choice and Jim chose... I chose uh, James Bond in mm. The Spy Who Loved Me. Now, um, look, Ben, why don't you just give us your I'd thoughts? like to read a text message. <laughs> I'd like to read a text message here. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. It was, uh, uh, hey, have you watched it yet? Uh, no, not yet. I'll be watching it day of. Uh, just a thought, if you haven't watched it yet, Maybe wait until just before. Turns out it's fairly forgettable. <laughs> I don't know who sent that. That could have been anybody. Uh, but turns out correct. Uh, and now they don't have. Look, it's not. It's not forgettable. Uh, there's definitely things to remember from that movie. But by modern movie standards, plot-wise, this movie should be 40 minutes long. Yeah. Look. Okay. So here's. Let me just, you know, back up a sec and uh, I'll just give you some of my thoughts on why we're doing this. Because <laughs> you have a weird obsession with James Bond right now? No, not right now. Okay, so look, uh, about once every 12 months, it, it is at the point now where it's annual. Um, I go back and I get into like a frenzy, I suppose, where I just watch every Bond movie from Dr. No, you know, which is 60, 1962 or 63, um, all the way through to whichever James Bond happens to have been the latest one released. I just do all of them, right? And look, this year I was doing my rewatch and... Um, you know, and and every year, and again, it's not it's not a hundred percent. Like it's not like it's absolutely going to happen every year, but pretty much, right? And this time, as I'm going through, I'm like, I have always tended to disagree with the world on which Roger Moore film is the best of the Bond. I mean, series. this is his favorite. And look, honestly, if you look at critic scores and if you look at you know the one roger moore says he thinks is his best and basically his film that is supposed to be kind of like his his most widely regarded best bond film it's this one it's the spy who loved me and whenever i get to it in my rewatch i'm always like what am i missing you know well, about I, I know. what is great supposedly great about this film because I think that there are actually a few other Roger Moore Bonds that are better than this one. Um, and so I thought, you know what? Ben hates James Bond. Um, <laughs> hates a strong word, as my grandfather would say. I find most James Bonds boring. Yeah, and right. proven right yet again. But I just thought, look, who better than to sort of go, okay, as a bit of a barometer for is Tim out of sync with what the world thinks about the spy who loves me, uh, loved me, or is Tim kind of on the money that this one's not awesome? 
you know? Um, and look, on my rewatch, which I have now done for this podcast, and also just because I happen to do my annual rewatch of all the Bonds, my opinion stands that this is not a fantastic James Bond entry. <laughs> there are a couple of things in this movie I dig, and I think they are universally liked, um, so I don't think I'm alone in this, but I'd like to point out you annually rewatch so many movie series. It's true. Most of which I love. Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Star Wars. I think you do the Matrixes. I don't know, man. Mission Impossible. Mission Impossibles. <laughs> like all enjoyable franchises. And I'm not even a huge Mission Impossible guy, but I've, I always enjoy them. Right. I, I think I might. I think I might not like spy movies. Um, anyway. Yeah, and you and you chose Bond, and I think you cruelly chose Bond. I think you knew exactly <laughs> what you were doing. You're like, I remember Ben's not a huge fan of old James Bond movies. And, like, he couldn't even pick, like, the cool old James Bond movies, like a Sean Connery, where he's, like, definitely not okay towards women. Um, but, like, you're like, man, okay, so I want to I I see something. Okay, I watched this movie two days ago. Yeah. I'm going to recount the plot to you. You yeah. ready? Do it. Dude dies skiing. The submarine plan stolen. We don't know how. That's crazy. There's a guy with a big fish tank. Turns out it's in the ocean. Dead people in fish tank. Russian lady friends died skiing. Oh, she doesn't like James Bond. Pyramids, pyramids, pyramids. <laughs> submarine eating ship. Two submarines full of men that they just kept. Combat. Big metal door, explosions, subs escape. Yay, America? Um, uh, I'm forgetting the whole end of this movie now. Um, That's pretty. You only watched it two days ago. Yeah. Man, like, like. oh, sorry, sorry. I forgot the best bit. Richard Keel. Yeah. George, so, man. The look, villain's so good, they brought him back. That's right. You know, so, but, but look, so Spy Who Loves Me, uh, Loved Me, um, I keep getting the title wrong. I do know this movie he fairly well. He doesn't love you. Um, so <laughs> Past tense. So Spy Who Loved Me. Um, this is 1977, so it's the same year as Star Wars A New Hope came out. Um, Very good movie. It's Roger Moore's third outing as James Bond. I have Bond. a question. How hmm. old is Roger Moore, the actor, when he plays this? Yeah, it look, Moore was pretty old when he started. He looks 11 Yeah. Yeah, look, basically from this from this movie onward, the discussion for every Roger Moore Bond was, is he a bit old for this? Is he a like, bit old for this? And he does uh, four more after he, this. So. He kicks a guy on a roof, and I swear I heard his hip creak. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look, he's uh, he's 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 getting on, um, you know, uh, and and I think you know, I think here though, he he's late forties. I mean, you can check me, but like, I'm pretty sure that's that's around about where he is. But look, the Roger Moore's first two entries into James Bond, which was Live and Let Die, and then Man with the Golden Gun, are both sort of these odd, um, you know, movies that really emulate a specific genre. Um, Live and Let Die was a basically in the in the vein of a black exploitation film, and then the next one he does, Man with the Golden Gun, was inspired by all the Bruce Lee trends in you know kung fu and whatnot. So then you get to this one, Spy Who Loved Me. This is kind of the first time they're not really aping a tone that was you know hot at that particular point in time, and instead they're just like, let's make 
a spy movie, you know? Um, In my reading about this, a lot of people quote or, or reference this as the template moving forward. So like, this was like a, like you get a lot of stuff in this Bond movie that carries a forward as repeatable tropes, right? Like you get, um, you get Q, you get like the gadgety things a bit more heavily than you used to. The the car's really famous in this movie, like the underwater car. Like you, it feels like it's a, because people really didn't like Man with the Golden Gun. Am I correct? Yeah, no, you're right. Pe- people enjoyed Live and Let Die, um, yeah. but Man with the Golden Gun, you know, really didn't didn't go down that well. Um, to be honest, I mean, as I am familiar with pretty much all of them, I don't think it's that bad comparatively, but for whatever reason, it didn't hit at the time. Mm. This one was really the first Roger Moore where they're like, this is great. At mm. least that was what the world seemed to think you know, at the time. It was like, well, I mean, great. in this movie alone, you get so many things that get parodied, for example, yeah. right? Like Austin Powers steals heavily from this movie, the first one. Well, Yes and yes, but really what what's sort of interesting too when you look at the history of Bond is that, um, you know, and, and look, I know about the history of Bond, Ben. Um, <laughs> Just quietly, this isn't a history of Bond podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> but, you know, so, so this, this Bond um, was, is the first one uh, for a while to have been directed by Lewis Gilbert. So Lewis Gilbert was... Um, one of the first Bond directors who did some of the Connery stuff, right? Um, But he wasn't the most famous Connery director, I suppose, which was Guy Hamilton. Now, Guy Hamilton directed Goldfinger, and Ah. Goldfinger was the third ever James Bond movie, and that one was always sort of the golden goose. That Goldfinger was the one they were trying to replicate every single time they made a bond movie you know so um so look the things that you see in the spy who loved me most of them harken back to to goldfinger you know so um but but look there's there's some stuff here that is is classic bond stuff you know um particularly with the the setting the underwater lair Mm -hmm. um you know uh some of the 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 big stuff with the ship that eats submarines which is an interesting. <laughs> there are there are ideas in this movie that are dope, yeah. like super cool. <laughs> and then there's forty minutes between each of them, and you're like, "Come on, man!" Like the submarine that eats, like his whole thing of I'm going to create a new the bad guy. Well, I, I can't remember his name. Uh, it's not important. Mm. Um, the bad no, guy's I've forgotten whole, his name. Um, uh, this is going to annoy me. Um, yeah, Stromberg, yeah. Carl Stromberg. Stromberg. Yeah, his whole plan is to cause a nuclear winter so that he can live under the ocean. I posit you, he can do that without causing the nuclear winter. <laughs> well, what's interesting as well is the very next bond to get made has the exact same plot, but with space. Okay. So the next one is Moonraker, right? And Stromberg wants to create this society idyllic under the water, and he's going to this nuclear winter well hugo drax in moonraker which is the very next bond film okay wants to create a perfect society in space in orbit and he's going to wipe out everybody on earth with a a, basically a, a nerve gas you know and then send his perfect 
people back to Earth from his space station to repopulate the Earth. It's the same plot. See, I feel like the villains in these movies should be honest. They just want to kill everyone. <laughs> you don't need a secret high society, best of the best people colony to do it. You can just nuke people, dude. Like, keep it simple. Yeah. Like, like, it, it's it's comical that like he gets made fun of in other movies. Like, the villains have these really complex plans that are theoretically just i'm not talking about the science here i'm just talking about all the moving cogs impossible and the amount of money is like bill gates plus like elon musk money <laughs> like and like just so like okay okay the underground base this guy has nobody in the world knows it ex the underwater base nobody in the world knows it exists He's got enough people working on that base to crew two submarines and leave a small army there, and nobody leaked it. Nobody let it out that, hey, I, I work in Atlantis. They're all it's true pretty believers. Dope. The true believers. That's, in, that's insane the way these people throw their lives away. Well, that's true. So, But look, the underwater base Atlantis, you know, is fairly iconic. Um, so is, you know, the Lotus, uh, which, you know, dives underwater and turns into a submarine. Um, like these were pioneering shots, like the underwater shots that I, I was reading up about. Like, these are really pretty, right? Yeah. And they're like, hey, we, you know, it wasn't for these specifically, but they did a lot of pioneering water stuff in this film. Um, like they went to the Caribbean, they filmed the underwater stuff with the Lotus. They built the the really famous large water tanks uh, to film the the big ship scenes and stuff like that. Which I found out those tanks have burned down like three times, yeah. and they just instantly rebuild them every yeah. time. Yeah, I'm like someone's trying to tell you something. But anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, like they did some really kind of big stuff with water in this film, and I think it just gets overshadowed by the movie it's in. Well, it's also like, this is, I find all these old Bonds, but particularly this one and the next one, Moonraker, um, you know, as sort of a back-to-back -back sort of thing, they have heaps of model work, you know, like... Cool model work. Or what you'd call miniatures, I suppose. Yeah. Like, which is, you know, where you've, you've got, you know, supposedly these massive locations like the Atlantis base or like the, uh, you know, the tanker ship that opens its bow. And they're all just these intricately made miniatures that are shot in a way to, to cheat scale and make them seem big, you know, and Moonraker, the next one does the same thing. And it's kind of like, I was, I look at it and I go, ah, oh, that's such a lost art. You know, people just CG now, like, and it's, look, some of the Atlantis stuff, doesn't quite like yes you can tell it's some it, it treads on some thunderbird soil um but once in a while. honestly they're dealing with water water doesn't scale well um no. it's it would have been very difficult for them to do so um and i said the water stuff is the best looking stuff in the movie there's some really cool stuff yeah like it, it really cool like just visually like i know when this movie was made that was really hard yeah like and it looks great so that's the model work, that's the miniatures. What of the plot, Ben? Um, did you enjoy the tale of Bond and Agent Triple X, Amasova, played by Barbara Bach? You know? I, I, I briefly read a description of this film. Super bombed Vin Diesel was not in it. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, Triple X. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Come on, man. That's like a you movie. It's true. It's true. I was like, but, whoa, what? Could have been Ice Cube as well. Um, 
No, look, it in my head, it just feels like traditional old Bond, right? So in my head, a traditional old Bond plot is uh, unrelated opening sequence that is kind of related, sometimes comes back, uh, to then goes to uh, discovery phase. Like, oh, Bond, welcome back. You've been out of commission for a while or you finished this mission. We've got this thing we need to speak to you about. And okay. And he goes to investigate this thing, which turns out it's actually not the thing that's going on. It's actually this bigger thing that's going on. And that's what he finds out. And it's this multi-millionaire crazy scientist with a volcano layer. And he's going to blow up the world so he can live under the ocean. Like in my head, that's how every Bond movie goes until we kind of get to Craig. Um, and because Craig goes a bit more like, at least initially, like, kind of terroristy and I don't know, like Look, there are more individual actually, bad guy. There are a lot of deviations from that formula. I don't um, believe you. I, yeah, I look, if I was trying to prove that point, this was not the bond to show you. Right. Um, but... <laughs> okay. 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 Do you, do you know the difference in plot between the book and the movie? No, I heard that they completely threw out the book and just used the title. Is that, that is understood statement of what they did they kept the title right the movie the the book doesn't have james bond in it but two-thirds of it right it's it's the spy who loved me it's told from a woman's point of view and it's about like her life and how she gets to meet james bond and he's in like the last third of the movie in like a ski resort in canada and it's just like these hoodlums are trying to burn it down for the insurance money that's the plot. Well, imagine if they did that one. <laughs> Way more boring. Yeah. Um, the only thing that does does carry across is there's a character in that movie called Sol the Horror Horowitz, and he has Steel Cat's teeth. Yeah. And look, hey, Jaws is an iconic Bond villain, right? So it's a silly Bond villain, and it's a Bond villain that I even don't particularly like very much. Um, He's the best thing in this movie, too. People love Jaws. I don't really know why. I'm like, like the teeth are cool, but they're so stupid. Like, okay, it's... okay. Of the iconic Bond henchmen that I know, yeah. I know two. Right. There's Jaws. Yeah. And there's the guy who throws a hat. That's Odd Job. Odd Job. Jaws is better than Odd Job. What about Teehee? Teehee's great. Is. He's from um, uh, Live and Let Die. You know, he's the, he's the voodoo guy. You know? No? You know what I mean? Let's, let's, let's other... watch that next. What if, for this podcast, every film I choose when it's my turn is a different James Bond one now. Like, Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It's our last episode. I need bigger gaps between James Bond movies, please. I'm sure we'll get to them all eventually if we do this, but please, please no. Please no. Uh, I'll then intersperse them with Kevin Smith movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's we should not do this. Um, <laughs> My podcast's unwatchable. Your podcast I find boring. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. Sparingly, few but and far between. Pick your I, I do want to point out Richard Keel uh, is in one of my favorite movies of all time. That is not a good movie. Hit me. That is, that is Happy Gilmore. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, when I saw him, I'm like, oh, it's a guy from Happy Gilmore. And I'm like, oh, he moves a lot better than he did in Happy Gilmore. Because, <laughs> um, I mean, he's just a giant man, right? Like, yeah. As he, as he gets older, it's going to hurt. 
The one thing I did learn about him in this movie, he could not keep the teeth in his mouth. They made him physically sick. Mm. Uh, they were like a very hard prosthetic. And so like he would have them, you'll notice like a lot of shots he's in are pretty quick shots, but have his teeth showing. And it's because he couldn't keep them in the mouth. They were really painful apparently. They had to wear him again for the very next film. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he didn't mind considering he was, got cast as a villain he thought was going to die and audiences at test screening said why did you kill the best thing in this movie so they didn't (laughs) yeah look i ultimately like i said i don't love this film and it seems like this wasn't the one to get you on board even though it is apparently roger moore's best outing i think his best bond is a film called for your eyes only um which is also his grittiest bond um and it's got a much a much lower key kind of story you know um which doesn't have one of those super villains wanting to live a life under the sea you know um so under the sea i just think of that homer simpson you know <laughs> let's start a new life under the under sea. The sea. <laughs> Have you seen the Simpsons episode where he works for a Bond villain? Hank no, Scorpio? No. So there's a there's a Simpsons episode where he goes to work for this corporation run by a guy called Hank Scorpio. And he's just this super lovely, nice dude <laughs> who happens to be a guy who wants to take over the world. Yeah, nice. But um, yeah, so look, I, you know, there, there are some ideas in this movie that I think are kind of cool um i just didn't love i guess the execution i did like the egypt stuff i thought that that looked pretty nice you know and it was a, it's it was a, a good location. it's a good looking film like as far as shots and cinematography and even like action like choreography and stuff like that it's it it looks good it's just what was propelling it i find infinitely not interesting yeah it is interesting that you know it's seen as his best one, but again, it doesn't really hold up. And that's the other thing I think we have to talk about is the fact that, okay, this film's from 1977. Maybe people loved it then, but like, honestly, there are many other old James Bonds that I prefer to this one. So there's something about it that maybe hasn't aged particularly well. Um, Uh, I think it's a nostalgia win. So you were talking before, there are two movies before this weren't like, breakout wins i think i even remember like people talking about hey can james bond survive yeah because like there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes before this movie as well like the original partner of um eon productions had to be bought out basically because you know he owed money elsewhere and did wasn't going to let a movie be made and then yeah yeah, Harry Salzman was, was you know, departing Eon Productions, um, which was very disruptive because they'd been making Bonds together since the start, you know. Um, and then it was just uh, Albert R. Broccoli left, you know, um, to sort of carry that on. So, but, but yeah, and I think you're right. I think, and a lot of the things where you're sort of saying, oh, there's quintessential Bond stuff here, stuff that Austin Powers is sort of aping, it's kind of because they're harking back to... I guess the golden age with Connery a little bit. Um, and, and this is the first time they did that because the first two Roger Moore outings were such deviations from standard bond, uh, formula. So, and that, so as far as bonds went, right, it went Connery, Lazenby, Connery, Roger Moore. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Connery only comes back for diamonds are forever, which is just one, a one-off movie. Um, and then it's back to uh, Roger Moore again. And Roger Moore, like really from this movie on, was always 
not quite under threat, but it was always like, are we going to recast? Every single film, it was like, are we going to recast? You know, That's the classic Bond question, though. I think probably every Bond since Connery has had that axe hanging over them. Like, okay, yeah, they're making their movies, but who's the next Bond? Like, there's that question, even when Craig was doing his stuff, after like the first movie, first two movies, like, oh, okay, he's making another one, but who's going to be the next Bond? It's almost yeah. like that question of who's the next Doctor Who? It's a very British question of like, who's the next one? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and you know, and, and look, turns out Roger Moore had another four after this, which is sort of crazy when you look at, you know. And his... good on Roger. <laughs> but, but you know, it's, it's, so yeah, look, Spy Who Loved Me, I didn't think it was that great. Turns out you didn't think it was that great. Um, so could have had a much shorter podcast where I was like, hey, Ben, this, this movie wasn't great, right? And you're like, right. yeah, Tim, it's not great. <laughs> so, so internet fan theory time. I, I did right. it last episode. I'm going to do it this episode because it does cross over with something I love and I know you haven't either seen a lot of or are not too familiar with. There is an internet theory that James Bond is actually a Time Lord <laughs> okay. from Gallifrey and he regenerates between Bonds and it's the same Bond all the way through. Right. Um, and he just goes on his adventures saving the earth as a spy because that's the sort of time lord he is. Um, I love that theory. It doesn't hold up if you look at it for like more than two seconds, but it is a fun theory of why the actor changes. And I mean, there's other Bond theories out there, right? Like it's a, it's a passed down title. Um, and that was kind of the theory until Craig's Bond and he kind of, it was almost like a refresh for the whole character, right? Like well, it was a deliberate cut from the lineage. Yes and no. I mean, it's sort of like um, the thing with Bond, like they they made some vague attempts to to retain a continuity. I mean, even just what I was talking about before, like, so there's there's no real uh, there's a there's a couple of weird things. Okay, if you want to look at the changing of the Bonds, um, perhaps the weirdest one is the first one, which is. Uh, Sean Connery to George Lazenby at the start of On Her Majesty's Secret Service at the end of the uh, opening sequence George Lazenby actually turns to camera and says this never happened to the other bloke you know literally oh, Doctor it's Who. just a fourth wall break you know where he's literally referring to the fact that these these you know he's been recast and then but then in that bond I was telling you about before, Roger Moore's um, For Your Eyes Only, at the very start of that one, so that's Roger's f- fifth mm. fifth bond. Um, so he's played the part here. This is his fifth time. And in that opening sequence, he's looking at the grave of his wife who dies in On Her Majesty's Secret Service when George Lazenby was bond, right? So it's sort of like... It is the same character, but it's not. We're not going to reference it. Like, but when you get to the Craigs, like he hasn't had a wife or anything like that. Even when you get to probably the Pierce Brosnans. Well, no, the Pierce Brosnans, I feel like if you, you know, are probably a real cut, you know, because yeah. the Timothy Dalton's, uh, even the Timothy Dalton movies. Oh God, he was born. Yeah, he did too. So they reference his uh, his dead wife in those movies as well. So. Really, up until you hit uh, Pierce Brosnan, it's it seems like it's somehow supposed attempted to be the a little same co- yeah. character kind of thing, like you know. Um, but then Brosnan was definitely 
a break from Dalton. And then, as you say, Craig was even more so a break from, from Brosnan. So, so I think, I think though, really, in the modern era, the audience gets it. You know, there will be a different James Bond, which will ignore the events. And like, and like half the fun from the audience is like, who's going to be the next Bond? Not necessarily how good the movies are going to be. And even like, you know, if you look at, as a fan of cinema, like, why do I watch them once a year-ish? It's really fun to watch what is functionally the same plot or a very similar plot play out in the 19th, early 60s, late 60s, early 70s, late 70s, like early 80s, late 80s. Like it's the same movie. And if you watch them all back to back, you're like, whoa, the filmmaking trends, the way they were doing stuff. It's a real fun barometer for like, this is how we used to make a movie in the 60s. It's completely different to how we made it in the 70s. It's completely different to how we did it in the 80s yeah. and the 90s. and the two that. It's like this time capsule because the movies are kind of by their nature kind of the same in a lot of ways. It's just... They're like a... They're a Polaroid of the time they're made exactly. with the same framework. Yeah. So to watch back to back and in quick succession and to watch that history of, you know, 50, 60 years unfold very, very quickly is a lot of fun. You know, I... It's like a, a flip book with the same picture, but it just updates to the time. Yeah. And it's real. It's just fun to watch. Like, you know, and it's fun to sort of see that happening and see the trends and see the, you know, um, the things that were like, honestly, Roger Moore's hilarious because when you get to Roger Moore, this is the age of the uh, karate chop, Ben, right? Oh, okay. oh don't. I, the karate chop and the like the really bent front kick. Yeah. Like, yep. like it's a push. It's not a kick. And that killed a dude. Yeah. Um, like, it's just like, just on the back. Karate chop, you know? I, 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 yeah. I'd feel remiss if we don't bring up... Um, I felt like the Bond girls in this movie were rather forgettable. Um, the main one, which was Agent Triple X, right? She was okay. Do you know she wasn't even meant to be like a Bond girl? Um, she, I... she didn't audition to, for that role. She auditioned for a much smaller part. Um, and that happens a lot. So yeah. when you sort of say that, I'm like, yeah, that, oh, okay. that happens a lot in Bond. They have like, you know, uh, for instance, and they tend to just go back to people that they were going to use. Like in Moonraker, the very next Bond, Lois Chili's, um, I think they wanted her for this one, in fact, and she wasn't mm. available. And then they're like, well, we'll just cast you in the next one. Like, you know, because it's basically the same movie anyway. <laughs> so, um, and so they tend to do that kind of thing a lot. Like there was even one in in one of the Conneries and particularly look, Bond, Bond girls, the, the Bond girls, they are notorious for mucking around with the casting of those. Like there was, there was a Connery Bond, You Only Live Twice, set in Japan. And they had two Bond girls, both supposed to be Japanese. And they cast, um, and they cast, no, they cast actual you know, okay. Japanese women, but one of them they cast in the bigger role, you know, and one of them they cast in the smaller role. And the one who they cast in the bigger role, her English wasn't really up to it, you know? Yeah. And so she was practicing and, and then, and the producers were like, I think we're just going to have to find someone else because this is an English speaking film. And this, this actress we cast is, you know, and apparently like, she just like went to tears when she found out that they were going to like recast her, like, and she was like yeah. so upset. So they just flipped them. 
just flip, flip the, flip the, the role. speaking role. Like, so you're still in the movie, but you can That's have the, kinda nice. the role. That, yeah, you can have the role that doesn't speak as much, you know, so that it's easier for you. <laughs> so, but like that idea of just like, we're just going to move the chess pieces around and swap the casting. Like, and it happens with, you know, a, a lot of the, the other characters as well. It's just a Bond thing, you know? So the other thing that was brought up with this movie is, do you know who it was almost directed by? Well, refresh my memory. So, so they were talking to Steven Spielberg. Oh, it was not almost directed by Spielberg. So, so here's the story I read. Okay. So they're talking to Spielberg, and Spielberg's like, "I would like to do a Bond. I love Bond movies." And they're like, "Okay, yeah, you could, you could probably do a Bond. Or maybe I don't know." And they're like, "Well, we'll wait. You, you're about to release a movie. We'll, we'll wait to see how that goes." And that movie comes out. And that movie is Jaws. And that movie annihilates at the box office. And by the time they're like, hey, yeah, we should try and ask Steven Spielberg to make this movie. The, the studios are already gone, here's your billions of dollars. You can make third, third, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So he wasn't even available to talk to to make it. That, but there was, there, was a, there was a world where this movie was directed by Steven Spielberg. I don't think so. <laughs> because, because Spielberg tried... Uh, to get the attention of Albert R. Broccoli to make a Bond movie really all through this, uh, the late 70s and into the 80s, right through the Roger Moore era. And he was constantly denied that. So it doesn't surprise me, like, because, yes, this was one of the ones where he was trying again, you know, yeah. to actually direct one of these. But he wasn't English. Um, so... Uh, it's not and, Harry Potter, bro. Well, you know... And an Australian play Bond. So, but but... Commonwealth, Ben. Commonwealth, right? <laughs> okay, um, yeah. So, sure. yeah. So, so that's the thing. Like, he wasn't English, and and Broccoli in particular was like, no, we we are we hire English directors, you know. So, um, or directors from the Commonwealth. The first American director to direct a James Bond film was uh, on No Time to Die, the latest, and you know, at this at the point of this recording, the latest Bond film to come out with Daniel Craig. Um, so that means that there's not, not been an American director, you know, um, they're almost exclusively English. And if they're not English, they're from the Commonwealth. So Martin Campbell's a Kiwi. So, and he did too. Okay. Fair enough. That, that was what I heard. At least the last bit of knowledge I got on this, um, is just a throwaway line from another movie. I like role models, uh, in role models, uh, the character played by, uh, McLovin, Christopher Mintz Plus, uh, has a throwaway line of like, he has this big epic speech and in the speech he goes and some people say i look like a young marvin hamlish and i don't even know who the f that is and i just realized who marvin hamlish is he's the guy who did the score on this film <laughs> <laughs> and if you look up a picture of marvin hamlish yeah <laughs> he does look like a young marvin hamlish well there you go it's wild <laughs> Well, look, Ben, I'm thrilled that you watched this um, and didn't, you know, rebel. You... I want to say I'm glad I watched it. Oh, right? good. I think Why? I well, here's the deal, right? <laughs> it proved me right, um, for one. The second one is it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Okay. Uh, I did watch it in three chunks, um, but that wasn't really the movie's fault. It was just a long movie or longer than I expected. Um, but yeah, it wasn't as bad as I, I, I felt like. It felt like a Band-Aid being ripped off. So that the next time this occurs, because I know there will be a next time, I'm not going to dread it as much. Nice. Because I don't think it can get much worse. 
Well, it probably can't, to be honest. Like, yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's, you know, there are a couple of entries that I could subject you to, but honestly, the reason I wanted to show what's you this the, one... What's the one with the giant space laser in Terry Hatcher? You're or are they two different films? You're, they're two different films. Terry Hatcher's in Tomorrow Never Dies, um, which is actually one of my all-time favorite Isn't Bonds. that a social media one? Yes. Uh, not oh, social media. He's a media mogul. News mogul, you know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, It's a Rupert Murdoch situation. Um, but Jonathan Price as the villain is phenomenal in Tomorrow Never Dies. Like, he's hilarious. Anyway, I could... We're not talking about Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> um, the giant space laser... Goldeneye. ...appears several times. Um, oh. You know... <laughs> Sorry. So, um, the the one where it's the most overt, you know, is Die Another Day, where it's literally like carving into the ice. Oh, and, and the diamond North face Korea. dude. Yeah. So, um, Goldeneye, you could be forgiven for thinking that's a giant space laser. That's a satellite, you know, and it's got a giant satellite dish firing up into space, but there's, there's no laser there. All right. So just calm down. I'm right? sorry. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> Okay, so, as I said, glad I watched the movie. Um, anyone who watched this movie along with us, you, you're doing the work. Uh, <laughs> I'm proud of you. And, hey, look, I honestly was like, people say it's great, and I, as a big Bond fan, could, could never quite get there in terms of, like, the love. So the fact that you're, like... Actually, it probably doesn't mean that much that you're like, yeah, it's not great because you, you don't like any of them. So maybe this was a terrible exercise. What's but, you up know... with the starting song of this film? Yeah, so um, nobody... Sorry, did... I just had a, a like a like my life flash before my eyes. And I'm like, <laughs> that's a weird starting song. Yeah, they, well, look, they, they started to sort of... Um, this wasn't the first time they did it, but often the, the title track is has the name of the film the title of the film but mm. um it doesn't always you know this one's sort of a, it's a lyric in the, the song yeah it's it's like it's you know that the, yeah, there was weird. sort of there was this one you know um and then there's uh there's also all time high as well which was you know the octopusy theme like which is uh, the, 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 the title song it's the title song like so you know, song. um right. But this is also before the age where the titles had anything to do at all with the story or the plot. Like, you know, yeah. they're really just these separate entities that we probably don't need to get into, really. The, the Bond title sequences are fairly they're specific. Very silhouette And sort of their own thing. <laughs> they're definitely aiming at a demographic. They are, indeed. Uh, so. so, again, thank you for uh, making me watch this film. <laughs> Uh, but I get to choose now. Do. I had a, a, a tough time with this because my first instinct was almost to play directly off this film and to watch Austin Powers. Oh, really? Okay. I almost picked it. I almost, but it's in my back pocket because I do like those movies and I think they hold up better than they should. Um, but I chose to watch a movie I love. I don't know if you've seen it, but I think you will also love if you haven't seen it. So this is a friendly pick for me. Nice. Uh, and that movie is Bill and Ted's Most Excellent Adventure. Oh, okay. Um, you know what's weird? What? I haven't seen this, but I have seen the sequel. Bogus Journey? And do you know why that is? Why? TV. Yeah. Bogus Journey was played on TV a bunch when we were younger. Well, uh, whereas the first one wasn't. 
well, that'd be why. So like, you know, so yes, I'd love, so Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. I, you know, I'm, that's a good pick, Ben. I'm happy that we have it's, to watch that. It's, it, it encompasses uh, a few of my favorite things in life. Uh, one of them is history. It's all about history. Uh, it's a time travel movie for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, uh, Keanu Reeves, uh, I didn't know it then, but I do know it now. That man, I will watch literally anything he's ever in because I think he might be like the one guy that the internet's right about and that he's just nice. <laughs> um, I hope so, man. I really hope so. Uh, and the other thing is I love George Carlin. Uh, and George Carlin, stand-up comedy, what he's named for, is not appropriate for this podcast. Uh, but his movie roles, uh, some of the movies here in, uh, are great. And this is one of them where he plays Rufus. Well, so, uh, like yeah, said, next movie, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I've only seen the sequel. Haven't seen it. So Ooh. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Excited. Uh, well, this has been the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us on our adventure. Uh, I've been Ben and... I'm Jim. Yes. I was not bad timing on that one. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. Bye.